We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live edition of the Casey Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank, member FDIC. Maddie Lane, is it a good day? It is a great evening, a great night, if you will, to be the fan of the world champion, excuse me, the two-time world champion, two-time. Kansas City Chiefs. And it's even it's e- even better night. If it's say, like, come on, let's be real. The combine's over. We all got jazz over the combine. We saw dudes run fast, and it's like the coolest thing for an entire weekend. That's how starved we are for football. And then, uh, well, you know, Craig, how you doing, buddy? Let's get to this first. <laughs> I mean, did we see people run fast? I mean, we saw cornerbacks run ba- run fast. Cornerbacks tested like it was a couple insane. quick setbacks. No one slipped as fast. Nolan Smith is very fast. Get, I mean, get ready for the CBAT article in your KCSN draft guide that's going to break down who was as guide. you need to target it. As, it's basically who it is, it's the whole draft class. Yeah. The, the entire. Take a corner. It's a good time to take a corner. But, uh, yeah, we're not going to delve too deep into the combine today because the Chiefs gave us so much news today, Kent. Jordan hit us up in the DMs, and I thought it was for a subject for tonight, what we were talking about. I said we were going to react to the Combine. We're not reacting to the Combine tonight. We have to react to two pillars of the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl. Moving on slash potentially moving on, and that is, of course, the news of the day. Uh, we will start. Uh, it's, it's, it's there's there's The cutting of Frank Clark we will talk about later, but... Uh, the big news of the day, and I think the thing that kind of just, I think, blows up, it sets a course for how this entire offseason is going to go. The Chiefs are not going to use the franchise tag on Orlando Brown Jr. for a second year. They will uh, allow him uh, to test the market if they are not able 
to come up with an agreement before the league year begins. The legal tampering period, uh, I believe, is in starts March 13th. So the Chiefs essentially have a week now to get a deal done with Orlando Brown Jr. They're not trying to tag and trade him. There are so many little pieces of this that we have to break down. But when you first heard the news, Matthew, what were your thoughts? I'm muted. Um, that was my first thought. My second thought was, um, you know, we okay, we let's be real. We were talking about this in our, you know, in a text thread here, and we were trying to figure out what the heck's going on. Like, what, why now? Why is this happening? What's the plans going to be? And like, the initial reaction was was a little surprised. It made no sense to drop it initially. And my first thought, my initial first thought was, there's either one of two ways. One, they're very very close to a long term deal. And it's about to come out within the next couple days before the free age, before Orlando Brown Jr. would hit free agency. Or they are so far apart that the Chiefs just said, no, there's no point to doing this. Tagging him for another year's useless. It's a way, I mean, you're just not useless, but you're spending a lot of extra money to recoup a future future now at this point in time, a future future third round pick at best if you don't sign anybody else in free agency next year. So they just decided they didn't want to tag. Those are the only two ways I thought it could go. I didn't think there was anything in the middle. But the more that's come out, it sounds like the Chiefs just simply don't want to pay him what he wants to be paid. It's pretty cut and dry, I think. <laughs> I mean, it it's wild to think about. We're going to break down all the permutations of this and what it means yeah. and why they didn't try and tag and trade him and all that. We're going to get into all of that. But yes, initial gut reaction was, man, I wish they could have gotten something for him if they're going to let him walk. Like, that that's the gut reaction there. I understand why they would want to let him walk. I understand why they wouldn't want to pay him top dollar. I also understand completely why Orlando Brown Jr. and his agent should ask for top dollar. I mean, the NFL has told you over the past three seasons that they view him as a Pro Bowl-level left tackle. And that is worth a lot of money in today's NFL. So, they do think that. They do think that, but they, I mean, they, they put them there. They did. Nobody wants to trade. For how, how high can we all go? <laughs> Nobody wants to, just, uh, let's just jump into it. We okay, just come yeah. out of Indy. You just come out of Indy where everyone's going to be talking about all these different trade scenarios and what people are doing. We're saying the NFL thinks that he's a Pro Bowl left tackle. We've talked, he's young. He's still young. He's entering his prime. He's proven that he can play at the Pro Bowl level on the left-hand side and the right-hand side. How is there not a single team out there in the world that wants to trade a fourth-round pick, a third-round pick for this Pro Bowl-level left tackle or right tackle? If that's what the NFL thinks, how is there not a single team that is willing to part with a day-three draft pick? My turn. Day-two draft pick. For it's my turn. Go, Ken. I am. I did not. My segment cut off, but go ahead. I. You know what? It's okay. Because you had your time this summer when we fought over this stupid thing last time. Look, we're not playing the bizarre drinking game today because the last time that we had this conversation, I used the word bizarre roughly a thousand times. So they're not getting it back. But Orlando Brown Jr. has been one of the most bizarre stories ever when it comes to this free agency and this football team. It always has been weird with him. It was weird when he first started. He was manifesting becoming a left tackle. He did it. He took forever to sign an, a, an agent to begin negotiations because he pushed it off so he could be 
at Patrick Mahomes' wedding. He's not in it. He's not planning the wedding. He just pushed off signing an agent so he could be at Mahomes' wedding in Hawaii. He finally hired someone five weeks before the negotiation window closes, and it's a guy that has negotiated as many NFL contracts as you, me, and Maddie, Craig. And the whole thing has just stunk. It is the whole process is just stunk. And I told you I had a bad feeling about it back then. I have a bad feeling about it now. I have consumed a lot of content about Orlando Brown Jr.'s situation over the past few hours. I've listened to a lot of the very well-plugged-in people here in the National Football League. And James Palmer today, on with Carrington Harrison, says he doesn't think that Orlando Brown Jr. will touch the number that he expected last year after playing not as well. Like, he doesn't think he's going to sniff the number he wanted last season. I'm not going to call it bad faith. I'm going to call it naive and unrealistic. I don't think that this has been a good negotiation process from Jump Street. It has been bizarre from the beginning. His whole career arc has been bizarre, and the way that he's handled these negotiations has been so, so bizarre to me from the very, very beginning. Hey, Kent. Bizarre. When we argued last last week and you said that the Chiefs weren't going to offer him top OT money, and then they did. Okay, cool. Now, moving on to this offseason. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. I don't it, think that he had the same. It wasn't good enough. It wasn't he good enough. He wanted more guaranteed money. Yes, he definitely wanted more guaranteed money. This offseason, he obviously didn't play as well throughout the season. We talked about it. We talked about his ramp up towards the end of the season improving, and then it wasn't there in the playoffs at times. I had Patrick Mahomes got hurt. It, it just wasn't there in the same way. So I can understand the Chiefs coming to the table and saying, hey, listen, you know, that contract we offered you last year to make you the number one paid left tackle in the league, we're not going to do that this year. We're not going to make that commitment to you this year. And if that's the case, putting him on the tag and then trying to work out the situation after the fact also doesn't make any sense for a lot of the same reasons that Kent is talking about here. You put him on the tag, You've seen that he and his agent maybe will drag this out a little bit. The Chiefs just underwent this last offseason. They wanted to kind of get on with the program last year, make the moves that they wanted to make. I'm not saying that they necessarily lost out on anybody, but they clearly wanted to get him under contract and move on, set up the rest of their offseason in the way that they wanted to. That didn't happen. They negotiated all the way until July 15th, didn't come to an agreement. Chiefs. Definitely don't want to do that again this year with a $20 million cap hit swinging there. So that brings us back to the tag and trade. NFL teams know that. They know absolutely that the Chiefs don't want to carry a $20 million cap hit. And if the Chiefs are looking to move quickly, there are teams that are going to sit there and go, oh, you want to move quickly so you can get on with free agency? We'll wait. And then on top of that, teams that maybe are interested in signing Orlando Brown Jr. We talked about this a little bit in the KCSN Discord. They may be coming to the table with their agreements, their trade agreements, everything like that. Orlando Brown Jr. has some leverage here because if it's a team he doesn't want to go to, guess what he can do? Not sign the tag and not get traded. He has some control here too over the tag and the trade. So up front here, talking about the tag and trade, there are a multitude of reasons why this couldn't have happened. The Chiefs 
not wanting to keep that extra cap hit and the NFL knowing it, and Orlando Brown Jr. still wanting con to control where he's going to go a little bit. He doesn't want to go to a bad team that's willing to pay him because he knows there's a good team out there that's just going to wait for him to hit the open market. He's going to wait, and he's going to hold out for that, and they just got done with the combine where they've talked to all these teams, talked to all these agents. They know what the situation is, so them walking away without a tag and trade has to mean that there's something else brewing. Yeah, I, or nobody well, wanted the trade of pet. Well, I here could be. Hold on a second. Um, I am. I don't know. I don't know if the Chiefs trusted the negotiations of Orlando Brown Jr. Either. I wonder if part of the factors that they took into consideration and the reason that they're basically creating a one-week timeline is because they don't trust it, and they don't want their they don't want to drag their feet. You know, I mean, Orlando dragged his feet picking an agent last year. So maybe they don't want to deal with all that this year. They just want to move on. And they're willing to just kind of say, all right, this is this is what's going to happen. You have a week. Let's figure it out. Let's see what happens. Sorry for interrupting you, Maddie. I just wonder if that's the mentality. that Because nothing about this screams like it's been easy. Nothing, like nothing. Literally nothing about it seems like it's just been, you know, just on the outside looking in. I, one other quick thing. Uh, our guy Ian Kelly got engaged. Uh, congratulations to him. I saw him in the mentions here. Congratulations, buddy. I saw that today. Big time. Anyway, sorry, Matthew. Didn't want to cut you off. No, I did. I, I don't even know where we are in this discussion anymore. Um, I have no idea what. I have no idea where we're at. So I'm I'm gonna try to put us into a little bit of a box to focus there. Okay. We got a little far without mentioning this. The Chiefs do have the next week by themselves to negotiate with Orlando Brown Jr. to attempt to sign him long-term. So yes. there is still very much a chance that Orlando Brown Jr. signs a long-term deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. That is an option. Now, okay, if you maybe heard James Palmer today, I believe it was on 610 radio. Um, maybe you didn't. Maybe you did. He put it about he his belief was that it was a zero percent chance that that was going to happen. Zero. Correct. His confidence level was zero percent that Orlando Brown Jr. would be in Kansas City long term. So just and you know, take it with a grain of salt. That's just his his opinion, his belief of it. But that is something to take in consideration. So while the Chiefs absolutely can sign him long term, they can get their left tackle of the next four or five years. They are the only team that can negotiate with him for the next week. We saw Trent Williams go into free agency for the 49ers, and guess where he ended up playing? With the 49ers. So there's still even more than just a week. There is a chance. There is a path for Orlando Brown Jr. still being a Kansas City Chief. That is still that is still an option. So I want to make sure that we state that. We have to make sure mm -hmm. that this is not done and over with. And then I'm going to ask you, we'll start with Kent. Are they going to get a long-term deal done with Orlando Brown Jr. within the next week? Absolutely not. There is no chance. And if you, I mean, again, we've consumed, we've consumed this uh, content here. You're James making Palmer. people consume a lot of drinks right now. Don't say bizarre anymore. James Palmer had, I mean, there's been a lot of, there's been some, you know, I, I, Nate had some good nuggets. James Palmer had some good nuggets today. James saying 0% chance anything gets done this week. The expectation of Orlando Brown Jr.'s camp is very, very high to a point where James Palmer does not believe that he's he's not sure he's going to actually get that number this year. Like, this is the and also the other additional piece of this is the Chiefs ex, the Chiefs don't want to pay him twenty million dollars. They don't want to pay him the hundred twenty percent. They don't believe he is worth that number. So, like, we are talking about a gap here. We're talking about a massive gap. I don't think the Chiefs are going over the price, the APY of the of the of the 
of the salary uh, or of the of the tag. So if they're not doing that, Jawan Taylor might be getting that. And I'll tell you what, I don't blame the Chiefs at all for not wanting to pay top five money to a not top five tackle. Who, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Uh, at what percentage? What percent chance do you give it, Craig? Because oh, zero. I, okay. No, zero. I, no, I, I definitely don't think that they're getting something done before before the March 15th deadline, before free agency starts. And I think that there's going to be another team that's going to come in and they're going to say, hey, listen, I'm going to pick up a four-time Pro Bowl left tackle. And we're going to have that guy play for us. And we are going to be able to sell that to our fan base. We're going to be, be able to sell that as, hey, listen, maybe it's a team that's got like bottom tier tackles. And so that is a massive improvement for their organization to get a guy like Orlando Brown Jr., especially if it's like a run-heavy team that is going to lean on a little more, that they don't have to give up an asset or spend a first-round draft pick on. They could just pay that guy. It's going to happen. Somebody is going to pay that top-of-the-market deal. And again, I've stated all along, you don't want to pay Orlando Brown Jr., that's fine. I understand it, but, I'm, but that's what his market is. It is because somebody else will pay it. And his agent knows that. He knows that. I know that the way that it's gone about has been very odd <laughs> in this entire process. But that money's going to be on the table for him. So I, I get the Chiefs saying we don't want to pay that. I get moving on. I get the reasons why. But the Chiefs are now going to probably be without a left tackle. Now, I don't know... We can make this kind of transition here if we're not want to focus in on Orlando Brown Jr. now because now we're now we're moving forward with this. This has never been a situation where the Chiefs have walked into the season and they haven't had a left tackle that they have spent significant assets on under Andy Reid. Andy Reid's first thing that he ever did with the Chiefs was draft Eric Fisher one dot one overall. That's what he did. They developed Eric Fisher. They turned him into the tackle that he was until basically the wheels fell off. And it sucked. It really did suck. But then what did they do the next season? They went out and they tried to pay Trent Williams, the best left tackle in the league, top left tackle money. That didn't work out. So what did they do? They traded a first round pick and got a little bit back for another left tackle prospect and then tried to pay him le top left tackle money last offseason. Brett Veach and Andy Reid are not going to walk into this offseason without spending significant assets on the left tackle position. That is me stating this team, in my opinion, is not going to sit at 31 and wait for a tackle to fall to them. They are either going to trade for one, they're going to they have a good bead on somebody who's going to be cut that they feel very confident in being the left tackle of the future, which I unreasonable absolutely unreasonable or they're going to trade up to guarantee that they get their guy the left tackle of the future i don't think they're sitting i don't think they're waiting they never have before this is a very clear result driven thing that i'm talking about here andy reed's not walking into the season without having that spot you're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in kansas city kc sports network we'll be back right after this we're driven by the search for better. 
But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. Well, all right, let's let's go through the replacement options. Like free agency, it's kind of a wasteland. Um, <laughs> it's, it's true. Wait, there's there's, there's why Orlando get paid. There's a couple offensive tackles, but they're all right tackles. Mike McGlinchey from the 49ers, who hasn't been as good as what his kind of draft stock was, but he's a, a capable starter. Jawan Taylor from the Jaguars, I don't think he's very good. Also just a right tackle. I don't think you want to switch him to the left side. And again, I don't know if he's been very good. Caleb McGarry for the Falcons, who's been a lot better run blocker than pass blocker. So like, that's your top offensive tackles after Orlando Brown Jr. You can round it out with Isaiah Wynn from the Patriots who's not a great uh, left tackle mold for the Kansas City Chiefs. They just like a lot bigger guys. And he's a dude that's dealt with injuries throughout his kind of NFL career. So you don't really have any options in free agency. So the next we go, okay, maybe someone might be cut. Teams don't cut left tackles that can play in the NFL. There's so many teams that are desperate for tackle play. You don't cut left tackles that are even average, capable Mm -hmm. average starters. So I don't think you can get someone that's cut. Shoot for the stars. Maybe Laramie Tunsil's available for trade, right? Like maybe there's an outside chance that they know that the Houston Texans know he's not going to be in their long-term plans. So they want to try to trade him and you shoot for the stars and you can make that trade. I don't, I have not heard any other rumors, anything else swirling about a left tackle being available. Those are the only ones I know. I mean, is there anything out of those options before we get to the draft, even well, remotely enticing to you, Kent? To, you're forgetting one, Taylor Lewan. Uh, no, he's 212 pounds. Uh, list okay. Let me get a word in. No, he's 212 pounds. Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, there's a lot of people that are asking about Taylor Wan in the comment section. Yeah. And Taylor Wan's played 32 games in the last four seasons. So 32. Mm-hmm. That's it. He's not been healthy. He's not been good the last four seasons either. I just don't see why you would take a risk like that on a guy like Taylor Luan. Now, maybe you're looking at a, a situation. Taylor Luan might be a stopgap that you sign if you're going to be addressing the position early in the draft. Give yourself a little bit more runway for that left tackle to develop. 
uh, just a little bit of a safety net early in the season, potentially something like that. We will get to the draft in a second because we have a lot of tackles in the draft that make a lot of sense, and you can read all about them when the KCS and draft grad releases on April 5th. So we do a book. We write a book with 225 prospects, uh, write-ups, and how they fit the Chiefs specifically. It's a Chiefs-specific draft book. Craig was talking about CBAT. He built a formula that kind of predicts quarterbacks and based on their athletic testing and the success that they have, that's in the book. It's like 300 and some pages of KC draft-specific content. For $12.99, you get the book when it releases on April 5th, but you also get three months of KCSN Substack. There's a it's, it's, there's a link in the description to pre-order it now, but you literally it's 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 a 300-page book about this draft and all the tackles <laughs> that the Chiefs might be needing and all these other prospects. Uh, and you also get three months of the KCSN Substack, which is going to have like breakdowns of all the free agents that we signed here in FPD. So click the link in the description of the sh- show. You can see it. Uh, you can see it there in the description of the show. Even if you're listening right now, you can as well. Yeah, I think the ta- I think the tackle class is interesting. Um, and now, you know, as we sit here today, trading up makes sense. Like, I think you got to look at every single tackle on the, on the table now, which is kind of fun. Uh, obviously, there might be it might be a little bit of ex- expensive, but. Um, you know, I think when we sat here a week ago, none of us thought that the Chiefs would even, well, I guess Mel Kuyper thought Broderick Jones would be available to the Chiefs. Um, but, you know, Broderick Jones... Right fit, wrong pick. Yeah. <laughs> Roderick Jones out of Georgia, um, Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State are two tackle prospects that we have pretty high up in the KCS and draft guide. I think a lot of other people have pretty high up. Um, I mean everything's on the table now. Like I think literally everything is on the table at the left tackle position. If the chiefs aren't getting a a deal done with Orlando Brown Jr. Craig. Yeah. They've got to look at the entire draft class because now you can't go up too high. Protecting Patrick Mahomes is the utmost important thing that you can do. And I just got done saying Andy Reid is going to address it. He is definitely going to address it. Those two guys, Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson are clearly Andy Reid guys, they've got size, they've got length. Both of those guys can move a little bit. I think that those guys fit the bill. Really love Peter Skoronsky out of Northwestern. But the man has very short arms. And that matters so much for Andy Reid. Been seeing a lot of comments here in the chat about Joe Tooney moving to left tackle. You guys, it was a massive deal in NFL circles when Mitchell Schwartz was Andy Reid's right tackle. Mitchell Schwartz, who was an all-pro right tackle, when he became Andy Reid's right tackle, was a massive deal because of his arm length, which is 33 and a half inches. That is an inch and a quarter longer than Joe Tooney. Yes, we saw him play against Cincinnati for that one game, basically, where he got to go up against another short-arm defensive end. That will be a problem. That is not a solution long-term, and the Chiefs have even admitted it publicly today by moving on from Orlando Brown Jr. and putting all that stuff out there in the media. They want a long-term solution. Joe Tooney is not that. It makes a lot of sense for them to go target a guy like Big Broderick Jones, like Paris Johnson Jr., a guy with the technical expertise to be able to step right in and contribute the learning curve 
will be so much less for a guy of that caliber. And we talk about all the time. You're picking at 31 for the Chiefs. You're picking at the bottom of the draft all the time. What are you going to struggle to get? Top-tier offensive tackles and top-tier defensive ends. Those guys are just really hard to find at the end of the first round. You vault up there for those guys, especially in a quarterback-heavy draft where they might go a lot earlier. You vault up there for one of them. That can fix it now and for the foreseeable future by getting a talent that falls just a little bit further because of this kind of ravenous quarterback kind of sprint in this class. I think that we are taking for granted how hard it's going to be to get up in range to take Broderick Jones or Paris Johnson Jr. It's going to um, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not you're, disagreeing with you, Matthew, but you're gonna we need to talk about it. You're going to be expending a, this year's first, next year's first, and then probably another day two pick from this year to get in the range for one of those two. I think well, actually, it's, it's <laughs> all right, so I'll, I'll tell you, because I have done the draft math. If you're lucky, yeah, this year's first, next year's first, and a third maybe gets you to 15. And that yeah, so they have still to be might falling. not be enough. Right, so they have to actively be falling. And then you have to find a team that doesn't want them and that wants to trade that. And it's okay, so you trade all that away and you still have no wide receivers and you still have no defensive ends and you're picking at the end of every round for the foreseeable future to have the same issues you've had. So I don't know if those two guys, Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State and Broderick Jones out of Georgia are reasonable. I think they are going to go too early. I don't think, I think even contemplating those might be a real option for the Chiefs, I think is a little bit of a pipe dream. As much as I would love it, I think we're getting too far over, you know, our own, out of our own skis here. So you have to look beyond that. Draft capital. You have to look beyond that and see what other players in this draft you might like. Um, here's the problem Darnell Wright out of Tennessee, Dewan Jones out of Ohio State, two guys that uh, people like. Right tackles. Uh, Darnell Wright has tried to play left tackle for Tennessee. It went very poorly. Um, not Maybe he can do it. I think he's a good enough athlete that I can see why you would want to think he could do it again. It went poorly when he did it last time. Dewan Jones has not played left tackle. You know, he's a fun story. He's really good for a 370-pound tackle. I don't know if I want that guy moving sides to just try to figure it out on a whim. I don't know if that's what I would want to spend my first-round draft capital in the health of Patrick Mahomes on. So, you're really kind of limiting yourself down to, hey, Anton Harrison, hopefully no other team likes you before where we pick because you're kind of the only guy that makes sense to step in and start right away. Matt no. Birds run out of Syracuse. Like, there's your two options. I, that, yeah. like, I, there's obviously more. I'm not saying there's no chance, but like those two seem like the only day one starter left tackles that the Chiefs will have like, be within range to get, and that's a really limited uh, selection pool right there. And... That's why I think so. Okay, I think we were all living in a world where there was like 24 hours ago where there was a scenario where Orlando Brown Jr. is back for one year. The Chiefs draft his replacement this year early in the draft or Eric Fisher and move him to the right side for one year and then move him back over to the left for a year. I think that's where you look at bar. This is what's kind of scary and why at, at times I've said I really don't like messing with the blind side of Patrick Mahomes the way that they might. Um, You might have to look at trying to hold on for dear life with a veteran that gets cut, a vet, you know, a free agent, draft, draft one and, and give them a little bit of time. Someone says Trey Palmer to left tackle. Oh, is that Maddie? Maddie said that. 
You just straight Ron Burgundy, that one. Uh, no, I mean, I saw Trey Palmer. I thought it was funny. Um, so, I, yeah, I just... The scenarios are, are still pretty unique now. Because, like, to Maddie's point, I, I'm i with you. I don't think you're going to get a Broderick or you're going to get a Paris in the top 15. Like, we looked at maybe the Patriots. The Patriots need a tackle. <laughs> like, why you can't get up with a team that needs the tackle? So... Maybe they sign an Orlando Brown Jr., huh? Uh, there's, yeah, okay. Yeah, they're going to spend money. Um, I think, honestly, Maddie, like you're talking, they might have to trade up for Anton Harrison. And if, we, if you guys don't know who Anton Harrison is, um, he's the tackle out of Oklahoma. Uh, he's a young kid. Um, he does have the requisite arm length, despite the <laughs> internet rumors this weekend that he had 31-inch arms at the NFL Combine, scared all of us. Um, but, you know, he's a young kid uh, that has a very, very bright future. Um, but yeah, you might even, you might even put yourself in a situation where you're having to trade up for Anton Harris and Maddie. Can I jump back in real quick? Cause I, of course I saw the comments in here, um, from, I think, uh, one of our guys, Matt Sagner said the chiefs need a right tackle as well, which is, which is very one Sags. Hi, two, hi. uh, right tackle. Yeah. The chiefs definitely need one. I think there's a little bit of buzz that they might be okay with seeing what Lucas Niang has. I think it was very interesting that he got a rep when they had to, when Andrew Wiley had to sit out of play in the Super Bowl. It looked like he was in a little bit better shape. If you see him there, you know, he looks like he has slimmed down a little bit to what he looked like directly after the injury. I'm not saying that they're going to not bring in competition at right tackle, but I do wonder if Lucas Niang is at least part of a plan for competition at that side. And two, that still doesn't mean they won't bring in somebody else, right? I want to say very clear. They need a right tackle or at least competition as well. I do think, though, to Craig's point, the Chiefs are an old-school team. They are a team that follow kind of traditional things of football. Left tackle, blind side, that means more to them. It's just they, they're one of the teams that means more. And I think having Mitchell, excuse me, having Mitchell Schwartz play right tackle so well, I think has skewed how we look at that. But look at their investment in left tackle. Like Craig said, 1-1 overall in Eric Fisher. They then paid Eric Fisher pretty good money. Some people weren't so happy with how much they paid him. They then tried to go make Trent Williams the highest-paid left tackle. They traded for Orlando Brown Jr. and tried to make him one of the highest-paid left tackles. And then during that time, yes, there was Mitchell Schwartz, but what they have before Mitchell Schwartz? What did they have after? They kind of tried to piecemeal together that other side. They are very much an invest heavily on the left, piece together the other side, stand, stands the one uh, kind of outlier. And I'm not saying they don't care about right tackle at all. If they can go pay a Mitchell Schwartz again, I'm sure they would happily do it, right? Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong but I think they really do care about securing the left side. And that's where this year in particular, when you look at the free agency pool or even the top of this draft pool, it's a lot of guys that played a lot of right tackle, not a lot of left tackles. So I, yeah. tricky spot. It is. They got Lucas Niang. They got Prince Tiga Winogo. They've got Darian Card is, you know, Kennard has kind of moved to guard at this point, but a guy that has that kind of tackle experience, they don't really have somebody that, they're comfortable with counting on at left tackle. And so that's what that's what matters there. And waiting until a little bit later. Splatical asks here, how do you feel about Jalen Duncan? I love Jalen Duncan. Don't get me wrong. I would really love Jalen Duncan to be the future left tackle of this team. That's a gamble. Like that's a guy that needs plenty of seasoning still. Moves really well. Love the way that, you know, he kind of uses his length as well, but not a guy that I want 
you know, basically protecting Patrick Mahomes' blind side immediately here. I know a lot of Chiefs fans are down on Orlando Brown Jr. Orlando Brown Jr. is still a pretty big step up from what you're going to get on Jalen Duncan from the get-go there. And Andy Reid and company don't want to trust that to just anybody. I think it is more likely the Chiefs missing out on somebody early in the draft, not being able to trade up for one of those studs, maybe not even being able, being able to trade up for Anton Harrison. I think it's more likely that they know where those guys are going to slot in and there's a plan B already. And that plan B is not going to be scoop somebody up off the street. Like it'll be a trade. We may hear about that in the coming weeks or something like that, but they're not going into this blind. They've got to find some space. They've got to find a team willing to hit the reset. I mean, you know, Laramie Tunsil was mentioned, hey, Tristan Wirfs is reportedly switching to left tackle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What are they, what are they planning on doing with him? They want to pay him? I mean, another situation where you try a guy out, there's lots of young guys. We'll just have to see. I think it might even be somebody that's not even quite on our radar yet that we didn't think was available, that a team is just willing to move on from at this point, that the Chiefs and Brett Veach will trust their evaluations a little bit better than maybe the guy that falls to 31 or definitely 63. Josh Nijman from uh, the Packers is a restricted free agent, so that's a guy that's played a lot of left tackle. Um, I don't know, but... That might be a little bit more investment than we're talking about right now, too, because I think he's a restricted free agent, so he might have to include some capital in there as well. But I know he played well. I know he played well for them uh, for stretches, too, according to our Packers people. But You are listening to KC Sports Network, your home for the best coverage on your favorite local teams. Whether you're a Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, KC Current, K-State, KU, or Mizzou fan, we've got you covered. Find KCSN on your favorite podcast platform. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. Uh, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button if you're watching this. Appreciate everybody that's hanging out. We got a lot of you hanging out right here. Um, we've got all kinds of shows. We'll be reacting to every single free agent nugget <laughs> that happens. Every single you know, basically every nugget leading up to draft. Uh, and we've got a ton of draft shows. We've got ESPN's Matt Miller every week. We've got the director of the East-West Shrine Bowl, Eric Galco, on our channel every single week talking draft. You might want to go check the interview that we did with Joe Colon, the defensive line coach. <laughs> oh, the, excellent. For the Kansas oh. City Chiefs. Uh, it's up on the channel. Uh, so make sure you check that out too. But yeah, hit the like button on this. Hit the subscribe button on the channel because we've got just tons and tons and tons of content going right now. Anything else on this tackle situation that we want to cover? I'm just, I'll just say, I love that the Chiefs set a line and are not moving past it. And I know that there are going to be some bullets to bite if they don't, but I do love that they aren't paying a great player price for a good player. And I would prefer them to try to avoid doing that in some scenarios. I think this is one where I, 
I'm fine if they if, if they're either going to get it at a good price point that they like, or they're going to move on and figure out how to make this team better elsewhere. And I think I'm okay with that. Any other thoughts on the tackles, Matthew? I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see where the Chiefs go from here. Like I think to everyone's kind of point, the Chiefs have done enough in free agency and building their team that you have to have a little bit of faith that there's a plan and a backup plan and then a backup plan for that backup plan, maybe like three, four more renditions of those, right? So there is there is stuff that they have ready. And I think to Craig's point at the very beginning here is the, the backup plan isn't going to be piecing together street free agents to play left tackle and right tackle for this team or relying on just a random rookie to come in and start right away, right? Like, I'm not saying a rookie won't, but there's just, there's some kind of very specific plan that the Chiefs are going to try to enact. They wouldn't draw this, they would not draw this hard line in the sand with Orlando Brown Jr. Now, no matter what, no matter how much, if we think this is the, the right move or not, they wouldn't draw that line if they had, if they didn't feel they had options to progress as a team. Now, Maybe that still means, hey, maybe this money they're not spending on the tag for Orlando Brown Jr. goes to another position in free agency or in a trade. That's still an option now that we don't even have to talk to you right now. But, I mean, they with Frank Clark, we're going to get to in a second, they freed up a little bit of cash. They now have a little bit of money. That means they can play a little bit in free agency as long as it's not all going to the tag in Orlando Brown Jr. So they've opened, they've given themselves more flexibility, but there's going to be a plan. I'm interested to see if what that plan is. Is it trading for a failed high draft pick? I think we've seen some Mackay Becktons um, going on in the chat. Maybe. I don't know how you're going to have a lot of confidence that he's going to stay healthy or play particularly great enough to justify that being your plan, but it's a possibility. I like the player. It's worth a shot. Maybe do they feel really good about uh, Anton Harrison being within a trade-up range? Maybe they sat down and worked out and talked to Peter Skaronsky, and they're like, hey, I don't care that you have offensive center arms. Well, I think you can play left tackle, and the NFL is going to make you fall because you have the same arm length as Trent McDuffie. Like, maybe that's the case. And they think that he can play left tackle. Like, Maddie, I don't know. Maddie does not Maddie. have the same arm length as Trent McDuffie. <laughs> Maddie, you're going to get Blake Freeland, and you're going to like it. Anyway. No, he can't start right away. He I, can't start right away. I'm just there's a plan, no. and I just that's all I'm saying. There's a plan, whether we see it or not. Like you got to have a little bit of faith. It's going to be fun to see where it goes. By the way, Peter Skoronsky has the exact same arm length as Joe Tooney. Exact same. By the way. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit scary there. No, it, for better or worse, this move does not come in a vacuum and will be judged on the subsequent move. And I know that that's typically the case. But when it comes to protecting the greatest player in the history of our sport, that move will be amplified one million times over. This is not something that they are rolling the dice and playing fast and loose with. There has to be another move. We will break that down when we get that move for it. it. But uh, for now, that's the offensive tackle market. Yikes. Yeah. But again, yeah, they they got some plans, and I I I like the lines that they drew. I like the discipline that they shown in this, and I I'm not going to be beat up if they don't make come to an agreement with Orlando Brown Jr. I'll be fine. Um, personally, I think they'll figure it out. It is a little scary though to play with the backside. <laughs> play with where are you going with that, kid? I don't like the athletes. Let's continue. move on to Frank Clark. <laughs> I, so, so Frank, Frank Clark, Clark. Is an, it was announced that the Chiefs are going to play it on releasing Frank Clark. Um, the two sides are not able to come to some kind of agreement 
to you know prolong his stay in Kansas City. So it sounds like at least this current edition of his contract is now over. Okay, it's done. It's over. The Chiefs are planning on releasing him. What that means, the, the moral of the story, the Chiefs are going to save roughly uh, $21 million against the cap this year while having like seven, a little over $7.5 million in dead cap money, which I think is by far the most in the, the Brett Veach era. I mean, maybe he inherited a little bit more than that from before. I don't remember what he inherited, but that's definitely going to be the most dead cap that he has created. Um, so that, that's interesting. They real would that mean those two moves together? Well, first of all, let's go into Frank Clark. Craig, what do you think about the move to go ahead and release or, you know, part ways of Frank Clark going forward? Frank Clark was never playing on that contract this year. I think everybody knew it. Um, the hope was that they could get something done so that I, you know, I've maintained Frank Clark in January and February is worth the price of admission, just period. Him showing up in the playoffs when the team needs it the most for a team that is a perennial division winner and playoff contender, that matters a ton. They obviously tried to get something done. They couldn't get something done that made sense at this time. So they needed the cap relief, went ahead and moved on. It was kind of a no-brainer move there. I don't know that we're done with Frank Clark. I don't know if this isn't a July signing, a Brett Veach special in the middle of that, bring him back for training camp, have him come in. Hatton, he knows the system. It's not like he's going to have to learn too terribly much. And if you go listen to Joe Cullen on the KCS Hit show this morning, you can listen to hear him, a defensive line coach in the NFL for a long time and been a defensive line coach for a long time, gushing about what Frank Clark brings to the room. That matters. I don't think that he's completely gone, completely off the market, but we'll see. If another team wants to pony up and pay for him, I completely get it. I completely get why the Chiefs have moved on. Just one of those situations where the the money was just a little too big and they had to do something about the contract. Well, and James Palmer, uh, again, he had an interview with uh, with Carrington Harrison on 610 today kind of saying, hey, look, you know, team teams value closers. Teams value the, you know, the, the guys that are making plays, um, you know, late in games, late in the season. That was Frank Clark. That is describing Frank Clark. So the market might actually be a little stronger than we are all thinking on its face right now because we've seen, you know, the ups and downs of Frank Clark's time here in Kansas City while he's been battling through injury, while he's battled through, you know, some like very obvious weight weight fluctuation and some of that kind of stuff. So um, the market, I mean, that, that, that the Chiefs weren't able to come to an agreement with with Frank Clark to to keep him here tells me that there are good options for him outside of Kansas City right now that are going to benefit him and his family and if that's the case more power to him man i mean that dude has sacrificed a lot for this program for this organization uh he's played fantastically at the right times he's been a huge asset for young players despite people wanting to say it was all for show uh listen to joe colin talk joe. go listen to joe colin talk <laughs> but uh yeah no i i think i think i think frank's gonna get paid somewhere a little bit if i'm being honest he very well might um it's it's really hard to get a read on his situation just because we know there's been some issues with his health up and down from actual injuries on the field of his elbows to internal issues like it's really hard to gauge what his market's going to look like. And 
at what point does it become about chasing money for him versus playing in an area where he wants to? When Chris Jones starts hitting up his phone every single day saying, hey, come back and play with me again, what does that do if it's later on and he hasn't been getting the paycheck he wants? So I don't know where it's going to go. I am glad that Frank Clark is kind of going out on a little bit of a high, coming off of another Super Bowl win, coming off really good moments that were captured on TV, because I mm-hmm. think he quite got a very unfair shake, especially when you start kind of hearing to some of the stuff that he was going through personally during all of his time with the Chiefs. So I'm glad he's going out on that note. Transitioning into football here, because we've already gone for 45 minutes. The Chiefs making this move right now and eating that highest dead cap number in Brett, Veach, Brett Veach's kind of GM history and drawing this hard line with Orlando Brown Jr. tells me one very specific thing. They want money available to start free agency next week. They don't want to be stuck with their hands tied behind their back when free agency starts. It doesn't mean they're going to go out there and buy, spend it on the highest priced free agent you can find. It doesn't mean that but they at least want to have money available that they would not have available if they didn't do one or both of these moves together. They really, I mean, they haven't restructured Chris yet. They haven't dipped into Patrick Mahomes' contract. That's the conversation for later in the week where they can clear more space. But right now, they've cleared the space. They currently have enough cap space, I think, depending on where you look at somewhere between $17.5 and $24 million. There's two different numbers floating around out there. They now have some available cap space once free agency starts, and it looks like they are going out of their way with their moves to make sure that some of it is there, that there is something there. That's fun. That's a lot more fun than where it was when this day started, where it kind of seemed like they might coast into free agency without not a lot of money to spend. Yeah, it really is. It's a, I mean, it's a lifetime with some of the gymnastics that Brett Veach and Brand Tillis and all those guys have, have pulled out before, but they don't have to. And I think that that's the best part. You give yourself that flexibility. If a guy comes open or there's an option to make the Mahomes basically restructure make sense, they do it. If there's an option to, you know, basically keep Chris Jones for longer, which it sounds like they want to do, but if they need to accelerate that timeline and maybe give a little more to Chris Jones to make it happen, they can. And they can still get away with more cap that way. I like going in with that. I like having that money. It's not just about free agency. It's not just about paying those guys. Heck, a guy like Leonard Floyd that isn't a long-term option at defensive end because he's 30 already, but coming off of consistent nine-sack seasons over and over again for the past three years and not missing a game for the past several years, that matters. That's a reliable guy that you can count on as a three-down guy that you can offer a one-year deal to that is of a medium money. You're not breaking the bank for a guy like that, but you're solving a situation this year while you continue to, to develop guys. Having that amount of money going into the free agency period allows you in the second wave, in the third wave, to kind of get in there, round out the rest of your roster with guys that you feel like can be starters for you so that you can go into the draft without having seven glaring holes that you have to hit on all these draft picks. I know that I know that Brett Veach did a hell of a job doing that last year, but that's not sustainable. I know we, we want it to be. It would be great if he could continue to do that, but that's not historically sustainable. So round out the rest of the roster and then turn around and have those, those guys ready in the draft. That way you're not picking for need. You're picking the best player available. So I want to believe everything you guys are saying. And... Here's here's my only counterpoint. 
and there's still plenty of time, believe me. There's a whole week, so we're going to learn a lot more over the next week. But as it's, if, if the Chiefs wanted to, if the Chiefs cut Frank Clark tonight, and they wanted to tag Orlando Brown Jr., they couldn't. They wouldn't have enough cap space to do it. They would still have to find some other moves to to make. And so while I'm like, hey, yeah, like I think you're right. I, I do think that they probably want to have a little bit of money available to play in some spaces here. But at the same time, they've we've only what we know what we know this to this point is the bare minimum. They're gonna have the they took the low hanging fruit on the Frank Clark contract, and they're not tagging Orlando Brown Jr. On its face, that do, I, I hope that means that they're ready to to kind of make some moves to kind of add some new blood into this group and, and kind of learn from the mistakes of the last run it back where they literally just tried to bring the whole same squad back for the next season and really didn't try to make any big splashes. But I don't I, I can't say that yet. I can't definitively I don't definitively have that vibe that that because like the literally they couldn't tag or like they couldn't tag Orlando Brown Jr. right now if they wanted they still gotta make another move. They gotta pull the they gotta pull the trigger on the Mahomes restructure. Uh, or they have to get something done with Chris Jones. And that didn't seem like Chris Jones is like, from all indications, the timeline on Chris Jones is July. You know, it's it's down, it's it's the it's the the typical offseason kind of, of renegotiation. So that's Frank's money. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not there yet to say for sure, like, oh, this means that they're going to spend a ton of money. This is literally the bare minimum they did to get into the cap, to, to be cap compliant by March 15th so far. I think, well, I said, I think the number depends on where you pull it from. If you go, one source has it at 17, one has it at 24. So it depends on which one you're following. They could technically tag Orlando Brown. I don't know which is right. I'm not going to sit here and try to tell these people that run cap websites that they're the right yeah. one or the wrong one. Because they still tight. they still had to get rid of Frank Clark. Really? They did. Oh, yeah. But that was it. I'm, to get, yeah, I'm just simply saying that I really think that they're they're making a conscious decision to make sure that they have money available because they didn't have to do both right here in this exact situation. They didn't have to do them the route that they went. I think that there's, we talked about at the beginning, they went a long time last year with Orlando Brown Jr. and his agent kind of being like, hey, we want a long-term deal, but not that deal, but we won't sign the tag, but we won't do this, and we should do that. What about this, that, this? And they kind of, between that and the Tyreek Hill situation, they couldn't make moves. Not even if they were going to or not going to in free agency. It was hard for them to make moves. I think they're just making sure they're not in that situation. Do I personally think or hope that there's a specific move that they have planned? Sure. Yes, I hope they have a plan to use this money because I think the team needs to spend some money in free agency or in trade somehow because right now they have a lot of holes at really important positions. And without Orlando Brown Jr., that left tackle and right tackle position look really, really bad. It's like they got to start doing something. They can't wait to the draft and do this all. So I I wonder, I hear what you're saying. I agree. But I don't know how they cannot spend money and go into the draft needing two starting offensive tackles and a wide receiver and a defensive end because now you got rid of Frank Clark. Like it's not whether or not Frank Clark was worthy of being a starting defensive end right now or not. He was for this team and they just got rid of him. Like yeah. they're not going to go start Mike Dane and George Carl Otis a defensive end next year. It's just not, it, that's not going to be what they trot out there as their two starting defensive ends without really a rotation behind them. So you can't go into the draft needing all of these things. So I do think they are going to plan to spend some of this money. And I think they are making sure they have it available once free agency starts. Doesn't mean it's a big deal. Just they're going to do it for something. Yeah. 
And again, trades. It's it's not all about free agency. We've seen Brett Veach has kind of relied on trades to fill some of that out as well, whether that be, you know, low value trades and things like that. Yeah, he gets a lot of credit for making those in season ones, but you know, it, he's not afraid of making a bigger splash trade and one that makes sense, like the Orlando Brown trade, where you you are basically going back a handful of picks. Yes, you're trading your first round draft pick. And, you know, I know what Clark Hunt has said and what Brett Veach has said, but let, let's be real here. If it's the difference between protecting Patrick Mahomes and making a pick on day one of the NFL draft, I think Clark Hunt is going to understand not making that pick. So, I, we could see a situation. I, he better. I, <laughs> I think we could see a situation where something like that can occur, where the Chiefs can still have a good amount of draft capital, but like Matty said, you're not going in with holes at left tackle and right tackle and wide receiver and defensive end. And, oh, yeah, all of those positions are kind of hard to fill. So, um, yeah, give yourself a little bit more runway there. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Appreciate everybody that's been hanging out with us tonight. Again, we're going to have a bunch of shows breaking all this stuff down. We'll be back on Thursday, and I'm sure there's going to be more rumors by then that we'll have to talk about. There'll be plenty of other shows in between now and then that'll be covering that as well. So we appreciate everybody that's hung out with us tonight. Thank y'all. We appreciate the support, and uh, I'm sure we're going to play to break down here over the next couple of weeks. We'll catch you later.